Heavenly Father, thank you for our trials to make us humble and to, to help us to depend more fully on you, Lord. Be with me now as I present this talk for consideration of parents and church family as we raise children for you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is a special day for a lot of our children because they've received the awards and badges that they've been working on for about a year. It's time for all of us to consider either the children in our families, our own children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, as well as those in the family. I find the use of the word children in scripture very interesting, be it that we're talking about children, children of Israel, or John's term, my little children, in the context of a heavenly father. While the context we're going to talk about today is more with respect to children, the way we usually consider that, in that they are young in years, young in experience, and young in life, life uh, experiences, the position that they hold. We're looking at those children. And in that context, let's think about our Heavenly Father and how he deals with us. In terms of children, what are our roles and responsibilities? And particularly when it comes to giving direction, giving them um, time and attention, where do we fall? Both as parents, or by extension grandparents, or members of the church family. We're going to start by looking at our, our scripture, so ably read by Caleb. Mark 10, 13 to 16. We're going to look at a couple of stories from the book of Mark dealing with Jesus and his disciples and how Jesus dealt with children in those situations and what can we learn from that. Mark 10, 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter in. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. And we certainly heard that story before. Prior to the, these verses, Jesus had been talking about divorce in response to a question from somebody in his audience. And he gave the information that divorce was not in the original plan for man upon earth. Women and children were not highly esteemed positions in society at that time or in a lot of parts of the world today. But Jesus does not show partiality. Verse 13 says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Children should be brought to the Lord, to Jesus, into his presence to be touched. They recognize in Jesus someone 
that values all people, regardless of their age, whether they're well or whether they're sick, whether they're accepted or whether they're an outcast. Jesus does not show partiality. Do we as parents or church members or officers deal with children, their interests and their needs within our congregations or within our families? Are they as valuable to, in Christ's eyes as any adult interest person that we may be following within the community trying to cultivate our contacts to accept Christ? He loves them, and we have scriptural evidence of God's intervention in their lives, be it in direct communication as with Samuel or in the cases of healing of children himself or in stories around people hindering children coming to him as we see in our story today. The disciples were responsible for this hindrance. Is this, a hinder, is this a warning to us? Do we see the gospel as too important to waste time on children in divine hour, for example, on Sabbath morning or in evangelism? I think most of us here would probably say no, because as an adventurer leader now and as a Pathfinder leader previously, I keep saying I'm blessed, because when I was at uh, Pathfinder Council, previously I would hear stories of children not being permitted to do this, that, or the other thing, or to be part of a service because they felt it needed to be assigned an activity like we just had in their investiture to a time when most of the adults weren't present. Do our activities of daily life, lives interfere with worship within the family? or giving a time for children to have their Bible stories read for them, or just to listen and comfort them. I just came back from Tennessee, and I, there was a couple of hours layover between planes. There were two little boys waiting for the plane back to Toronto, and Mom had her device attached to her hand, and she sat and stared at it and stared at it, and I must have been there 20 minutes. The little boys talked with each other and played, and every now and then they were going, trying to get their mom's attention, to ask a question. She didn't even give any indication that she had heard them. Obviously, they were two very good kids because they didn't get into any great mischief or fight, but Mom remained her interest on the device in her hand. We need to think about, are we so busy with life that we don't give our children, our grandchildren, our church children, the time and attention that they need, that we take that little bit of extra time we know that there's time for all of us when we just want to be listened to. Don't need any solutions, don't need any help, just want someone to listen to me. Verse 14. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, these little ones that were coming. This was more than an annoyance he was indignant, as in a righteous indignation that they were being kept away. Let the little children come to me, he had said, and do not hinder them. No hindrance or roadblock should be put in the way of children coming to the Lord. Let's think about Psalm 127.3 as to the value of children. Children are a Anyone have it? 
heritage or a gift. Other translations say a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. When we think of Samuel or John, the joy that was in those moms' hearts or Sarah when they received news that they were going to have children. 127.3 if you're looking it up. We can bring children to the Lord by bringing them to church, by bringing them to the Lord in prayer, or by exposing them to Bible stories and Bible examples. Why do people keep children away from the Lord? Maybe one of the most common reasons might be they're too young to be brought to church because they don't understand anyway. So we don't need to have them. Or they might become restless or distracting. It happens. As a church family, we need to accommodate all who come, be they young or old. Some feel that children are too, are too young to make up their own mind and they don't really want to influence them until such time as they can make their own decision. And in time, they will. You know, regardless of our best efforts to lead them in the right direction, it comes a point when they have to decide, be it on issues of religion or on other issues of, of their lives. A loving Christian family and church can give discipline, structure, and hope to children as they grow. And certainly in this world, with so many things that they may come across that go wrong, they need that hope. Others feel that children, especially young children, don't understand anyway, so why bring them when they're young? Often they understand more than we think. We bring them and let God do the work on their hearts. We can't dictate or force them, which sometimes we try to do as well in the other way. Sienna is my daughter's 10-month-old. Boston um, was taught by Grandma how to sing graces, and one of the graces that he sings is Johnny Appleseed. And any of you that know that grace from camp, towards the end of the little um, grace, there's a line where you clap. Sienna has gotten to know when Boston starts to sing that already, she differentiates that from other things he might be singing, and she'll just start her little hands clapping. So she knows that song is different. So she has picked that up. Kids coming to Sabbath school, you know, 10 or 12 months can participate. Do they totally understand and appreciate it? Not likely. But they become a part of worshiping, even at that young age. It's not easy to bring young children. Most of us have probably brought young children at some point, and it can be very painful. And, and, and most of the pain is our baggage. It certainly was with mine when I started bringing my um, two-year-old, certainly very much of a two-year-old, to church when I started coming with my husband because I wasn't Adventist at that time. It was very difficult coming with Andrew, who would get fussy, and I mean, I was just in a panic. What do I do with this child? How do I make him stop and do just what I want him to do? Well, if you had a two-year-old, it doesn't work. So there were loving people in the family who gave me ideas of things to do, like bring toys that he didn't see otherwise in the week, except on Sabbath, things that were quiet and special for Sabbath. And we got through it. As most of you know now, he's doing fine. So as a church family intersecting with parents, we can be supportive. We have moms and, and grandmas and 
supportive people here that will help sometimes when we have some of our little ones that are fussy to sort of walk them up and down a little bit or just give those words of encouragement. That's really needed. The disciples rebuked, were rebuked for hindering the children from coming. We will be rebuked as well. Jesus said, let them come. Early experiences will help them develop that relationship with him. And that can be continued as they go through. How do we show them the way to Jesus? How can we do that? We can do that by our lives, how we live. Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19. Several places through Deuteronomy, this same thought is expressed. And it's something that we can do in various ways. Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home or when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Having that as just part of who you are and how you can make it part of um, your interactions with your children on day-to-day items. My daughter had twins, and one of them died uh, within a week of birth. She often wondered how she was going to tell Boston, the surviving twin. Well, he was fairly young when she started telling him. He, He had a brother, but he died but when Jesus comes back, he'll, he'll bring him back. And Boston could understand this as a three-year-old would. And one day Susan overheard him telling a friend about this, about how he had a brother and he died. But, but Jesus is going to bring him back, Susan sort of intervened. Boston said, yeah, I know, but not at the airport. He didn't understand the ins and outs, but he knew. And now as a six-year-old, he will often bring it up. He's comfortable. He knows what you know, that Jesus is coming back to take us home, and he often talks about his brother that has died and has questions about things like, well, he'll still be a baby like Sienna. So they have these questions. We can uh, share Jesus with them by our testimony as a way of bringing them. What we learned, how we came. First Peter 3.15 is, is one of my favorite verses to tuck away, and some of you may be familiar with that one. 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Letting your child know what you believe and why you believe it. Those points where you may have to interact with them to say no, they can't do a certain event and why. There may be tears, there may be upset, but sharing that testimony of what various doctrines, various words of Jesus mean to you. By our example, 2 Timothy 1.5. Paul, in writing to Timothy, points out that our example influences other people, or other people's examples influence us. People look at us. 
I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Philip's mother and grandmother were examples to him of what it means to follow Jesus. And by our teachings, again in Timothy, this time in chapter 3, 2 Timothy, chapter 3, 14 and 15, the teachings that helped Timothy along. But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which were able to make you wise for salvation through the faith of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus says come, who are we to forbid children to come? Verse 15 of John 9. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. Simple faith, but not blind faith. We have a reason for the faith that we have. And every now and then, as in Michelle's story about Peter Landless, it will be challenged. Usually because it goes against self. You know, we want to go to that ceremony. We want that commission. But is it going against a bigger principle? Verse 16. He took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Where else should our children be but in the arms of Jesus? Where else should we be but in the arms of Jesus? He blessed them and called them to salvation and to his service. We have Bible examples of children serving. The little maid served in witnessing to Naaman and his wife. Samuel served at a young age in the temple. The Waldensian children served when it was not safe for adults to travel or to do sermons. The children had committed great sections of scripture to recite in, in their travels. Modern day children who, who preach. It's amazing to go to some of the adventurer events to see where children and, and, and um, our coordinators, any of the coordinators, if you go to these events, you can see there are children that will memorize great long pieces of scripture in response to do little programs like our children did here today. It, it's, and once that's committed to memory, it comes back many years later. Like I said, the songs that they were singing are ones that I learned when I was a child. The second story we're going to look at is in Mark 9, previous to the other one this happened, 33 to 37. And, and try to put yourself in the place of those disciples when Jesus gave them this example of children, how they might have felt, what they wondered maybe where he was going with this. Mark 9, 33 to 37. They came to Capernaum, and when, they, when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, 
because on the way, they had argued about who would be greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be last, the very last, and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. The desire to be greatest had certainly been a common theme in the minds of the disciples. They saw the future with Jesus as a restored Israel where they would rule with Jesus, full of pomp and ceremony like the days of Israel's glory. They weren't thinking of suffering and pain and waiting. They wanted out of this meager existence ruled by the Romans. And it colored all that they saw in Jesus' words. They just didn't believe or think about the words that he said that weren't in keeping with with their preconceived ideas. He repeatedly told them to readjust their expectations, that that wasn't how it worked. What are some of our um, Roman repression types of behaviors or thoughts now? Do we have things that color how we see Jesus or the messages that he gives around outreach or inreach into the church, around committing to him, materialism, our great busyness? I don't, I was always busy, but you're not supposed to be busier when you retire, but it happens. But it, it's something that seems to permeate society now, even with all our our energy-saving devices, it seems to have gotten worse. Does our, our, our push to become rich or to be well-established, does our desire to get ahead sometimes cause the repression of Christ and his message both for us and for our children? He who desires to be first must be last of all. And to reinforce his words, he took a little child and placed them, and placed the child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes him who sent me. We're expecting a ministerial position in that glory kingdom. And Jesus is talking about children. What is this? The story is told of a nursing instructor who, on the final exam, had one question. What is the name of the dorm staff that cleans your floor? Well, the students were most indignant. Like, what has this got to do with what we know? It had all to do. That person served them the whole time they were at nursing school, looking after their dorm, keeping it clean. Should they not have known that person's name, the people that serve you? If you look at DeVries is the name of a, um, um, a management um, person that, that educates managers in getting better results. 
he very much talks about knowing your staff from the cleaner or the garbage collector in your multi-million dollar firm to all your employees and knowing them by name, knowing their ups and downs, taking the time to consult with them, to talk with them. As a nursing student, they were expected to have compassion, to interact with the people that they dealt with day by day. The students were not too pleased with the question. What is it about children that we are to copy? Now, that's a sermon of its own, and one worth hearing, but not one we're looking at today. Maybe it's one we need to search out for ourselves to find answers when he talks about being like a child. Today, we're going to stick to the value of children in God's eyes, in Jesus' eyes. And in scripture in general, it speaks a lot about children being those olive plants around your table. Very positive um, comments, uh, instruction, analogies. That's all through Psalms and Proverbs. But still, Israel went through times of child sacrifice. You wondered with all that they had written and told them that they would go so far away. We need to be careful lest we repeat their same errors. Most of you are probably familiar, at least in, in um, worldly things, around Whitney Houston, um, a wonderful singer who had a song called Greatest Love of All. Beautiful song, beautiful tune. The first couple of lines, I believe that children are our future. Most of you know the song. Teach them well and, lead the, um, and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Whitney Houston's life was indeed marked by a lot of pain, um, and she speaks about this in the song, in the different advice she gives to people in this song. Unfortunately, while we recognize the need to see the beauty in our children and for them to see that beauty in themselves, that alone will not make for a happy or satisfied life. It didn't for Whitney, unfortunately, and it won't for us or our children either. As parents, as church family, we carry baggage. We came through life and things happened to us. We responded to things in a certain way. We're not perfect and our kids are not perfect. We need to accept it. But look at each of us as being a child of the king. Your children are children of the king. Our children. And people look at me funny when I call these guys my children when I'm talking about, you know, my kids do this or that. And they'll sort of look at me, they don't, no, the kids at church. And they sort of wonder like where I'm coming from. But only with that personal loving relationship with Christ can we have that confidence. Jesus is our greatest love of all. Our children are our future. We need to teach them well and let them lead the way as they get older. Yes, we must let them lead, to, lead the way but not our own way, his way. By becoming a child of the king, we can lead them and let them 
have a better future than some of us had. Thank you.